Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet? Today, Michelle and I are delighted to be uh, joined by Estella Struck, CEO and founder of sustainable product marketing agency, Vivine New York. Estella, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to start this conversation with you guys about Gen Z and sustainability and saving the planet. Amazing. So let's kick things off with a bit of an introduction to you and the work you do and how you came to be working in the sustainability space. So we can take it back a little bit to 2020. Quarantine happened and I spent a lot of time on TikTok because what else was I supposed to do? I was trapped inside my house, the world shut down. And I ended up on environmentalist TikTok, was learning a lot about fashion, the impact on the environment in a way that I had never seen before. I had taken an environmentalist class in high school, but the impact was not the same as the way that Tick Doctors showed me. So that really changed my viewpoint on fashion. And I was like, I have so much time. Let me just see if I can do something to have an impact, make a little money on the side. And I started a fashion brand that really quickly blew up on social media. And I genuinely didn't think I would see that type of growth ever. I thought it would be a little side thing that I did during quarantine, shut it down, went back to college. But I ended up taking a gap year and connecting with a bunch of people in the sustainability space, learning so much about fashion within all the other industries and marketing. Just seeing how from my DMs and letters and everyone just asking so many things about the environment and places they should shop and how they as an individual can help impact climate change in a positive way. I realized social media is actually a huge driver for change, especially within Gen Z, because there are a lot of people in Gen Z who care, but don't really know where to go. So that's kind of, that's how I got into the environmentalist space. And after a year of practicing marketing and creating short form video content, I started to be in New York because I was like, wow, Ethica is not scalable because everything's one of a kind. But there are a lot of companies out there that are scalable, that have huge impacts, but people don't know about them. And I can help people know about them and drive capital towards their companies so that we can actually use capitalism as a force for good. So I started with New York to start, you know, creating that change. Fantastic. And of course, our listeners can't see you, but you are indeed Gen Z. You are, you are, you are in that demographic yourself. And so yeah. you are living, breathing, bringing to the table very much the reality of, of how you are living and the choices you are making. And as you said, uh, and from research we've done, you know, 85% of Gen Z tend to use social media to seek out products, to seek out what they should be doing and 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 who they should be engaging with. And so your own story and your own narrative, of course, backs all of all of that up. So they are positioned, Gen Z, you know, as or Gen Z, Gen Z, the largest generation in history. So there's there's a lot to talk about there. You know, they've got some significant spending power when we look at not only the spending that they're doing themselves, but also the spending that they're influencing in the homes and the families that they're they're living within. And that's estimated to be something like, you know, 322 billion just in the US alone. So this is an important audience. Can we start talking then about the attitudes and behaviors of that audience? Because there are conflicting issues here because, you know, we see these studies that climate change is important and 
and that they want to make better choices and they are the most consciously uh, aware and, and, and rising consciousness about what's going on with the climate and the planet, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to making choices, is this powerhouse of an audience actually standing by that and, and making those choices? Well, something that I think about all the time is when I grew up, I grew up in upstate New York. There was so much snow. We would have blizzards all the time, white Christmases every year. And this year I was really sad because it didn't snow until my birthday. It was a birthday gift from Mother Nature to me this year. And it was only around an inch in New York. So I know from my experience, I'm not the only person in my generation who has literally grown up since a baby to now early adulthood, seeing the drastic changes that Mm. are going on with the climate. So seeing that, but also living in a capitalistic society where we've been you know, primed to shop. If you look at children's books, the, the children illustrated in the in the books have so many toys. There's just this drive to consume that we're indoctrinated into. So mm. I can't blame people in my generation for wanting to shop and getting dopamine from consuming. But I definitely have experience in my own life, even before I was in the environmentalist space in my first college, I would have conversations with the students about climate change and the environment and their concern for it. But then they would go and turn around and here's my fast fashion haul for going out. You know, here are my new cute crop tops that I'm going to wear a few times. There is a cognitive dissonance, but I obviously it's not our fault that this issue is happening. I was recently quoted in a Business Insider article about this cognitive dissonance when it comes to Shein and how that is a huge company and their demographic is Gen Z, but then Gen Z also is probably one of the most active when it comes to conscious consumerism. Mm. So it's just about bridging that gap. And I really do think that there is a possibility to bridge that gap between what we say we care about Mm. and what we actually do in our lives. Uh, Obviously there are limiters such as location, accessibility, such as financial situation, things like that. However, I've been in communities. I'm really great. I'm very privileged to have gone to NYU where there are a lot of people who have the financial means to shop from sustainable brands and, you know, vote with their dollar on behalf of the environment. So it's just about brands making it, normal to do that. I found that when I started, and even now when I'm in the environmental space, I see that a lot of companies are all targeting the same type of person, which leaves a huge subset of consumers out of it. So if consumers don't see themselves represented and don't see people like them shopping at brands like that, if this brand is only for XYZ type of person, why am I going to spend money there. So I think that a lot of unsustainable brands have done a better job of encompassing a larger population than sustainable brands have done. So I think the first step of creating that bridge between values and behavior is making sure that consumers, especially Gen Z, feels represented in the marketing, which we at Vivid New York are trying to help brands uh-huh. do. Yeah, great. And you and you've been you've done some research, haven't you, at Vivine, um, looking into this? What what does your research coming back and, and telling you? If you'd love to share that with our listeners, yeah. So I have some right here in my notes. Gen Z is more likely than any other generation to shop via social media. Um, in February twenty twenty two. 
there was a report saying that 98% of consumers that use social media plan to make at least one purchase through the social media and influencer sites that year. And by that time that they had released that saying 98, we're planning on doing it. 68% of consumers had already made that purchasing Mm -hmm. decision. So I have found that social media is such a huge, you know, driver for behavior and the way we shop because we're on it all the time. The average person spends at least one hour on TikTok per day, which what we see and what we consume shows up in our daily lives and influences how we act and behave. So creating more of an environment where sustainable brands reign supreme on these platforms would create more environment where sustainable, at least putting money into sustainable companies is more valued. I know that, you know, capitalism, sustainability are at odds. They don't exactly go together, but we live in a society where that is what we live under. So using social media and the overconsumption nature of it to get money towards organizations that are actually going to cause change. And, you know, if we get more money towards organizations, they can bring the price down. Yeah. So utilizing social media and, and really helping to drive Gen Z towards better brands will inevitably make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there has been this explosion, hasn't there? Or it seems like this explosion of, of more sustainable brands, more sustainable choices, lots Mm -hmm. of innovations, lots of innovators coming in um, around all different types of, not just fashion, but, you know, chewing gum to toilet paper, to drinks, to water, to all sorts of of different categories of more smaller, sustainable brands. And of course, because performance marketing, particularly and activated campaigns on social media are are usually more accessible than maybe TV and other above the line kind of activities, then they these brands are taking to social media to build awareness. They're using TikTok to drive uh, education and awareness and, and engagement around what it is that they are that they are doing. And 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 of course there is this there is this dilemma almost that uh, that yes, there is this awareness and they can get out there and, and they are there and hopefully people can start to make choices and and that that becomes a, a viral activity. You know, people start to talk about it. Many of these brands start and they explode on TikTok and all of a sudden, you know, everybody knows about them or there's something something specific. But there's also the opportunity as well for... And I think that, you know, there's this when it comes to Gen Z and anybody making choices, there is this 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 idea that, yes, we have to be available and we have to be visible and people need to know that that brand exists and that they can access it. But there's also this this awareness that that almost taking away the choice of wrong or bad consumerism, you know, of of. It shouldn't be necessarily the choice of, oh, here's a sustainable brand, here's a non-sustainable brand. All organizations should be really now thinking about sustainability and taking responsibility. Are you seeing that happening in your markets and the work that you're doing? Are you seeing mainstream? And we we have seen mainstream spans, but are we are we seeing that that is now a challenge for these smaller organizations as larger brands start to wise up to? Is that almost saturating 
the, the, the visibility and the space for those smaller, challenger, more innovative brands coming through. Have you seen any shifts in that space? Yeah, I was talking about this yesterday with my friend about how a lot of the bigger brands are launching offshoots of their initial brand that are sustainable mm. and kind of copying the exact same idea as brands that from the ground have been you know, all about sustainability. The founders are super yeah. passionate about climate change and having a positive impact on it. So from my perspective, I definitely think that those larger brands are a cash grab from them. They want to capitalize on what's happening and the way that consumers are becoming more aware of climate change just from looking outside at the weather. Um, and it is a bit concerning just because, you know, we want things that are actually, if something that is sustainable is going to become mainstream, I almost would prefer if it's from a smaller brand yeah. that is really, you know, going to make sure they're doing everything right. Then is then is a, you know, sustainable line of a larger brand that isn't really changing anything on the back end of the other brand, you know, uh, launching a, a sustainable brand that's producing something that's upcycle out of upcycled materials. That's similar to the, the mother brand is awesome. What I want to see these larger brands doing is changing what they do when it comes to sit the single use plastic in their supply chain and the labor laws and all of those, you know, pivotal issues when it comes to how things are made, how they go from the resources extracted from the earth to how they get to the hands of the consumer, yeah. which I, I don't think that companies are doing that yet. The larger companies are, are really taking that seriously. I, I know that that will probably come within the next decade, but for now, I definitely see the sustainable lines that are being dropped in the sustainability initiatives as marketing like greenwashing schemes, um, okay. which are pretty prevalent. And they obviously have more money to put towards marketing as well. Yeah. So, so there's a cynicism there, do you think, within the Gen Z, that they are smart enough, wise enough to be kind of like more loyal to these startup brands that have really, yeah. from the ground up, you know, this is a passion project that they've scaled. Um, rather than this is, you know, like you say, a large conglomerate jumping on the bandwagon that, hey, sustainability is a thing, now we need to diversify in that area. Yeah, because if you think about it, Gen Z, we're in early adulthood and a lot of people are just, you know, working retail jobs while they're in college and we're in the back unpacking the products by these companies and seeing how much plastic they have. You know, we're holding the plastic waste. We're taking the, I had a job where I was taking the products out of so much plastic. Waste and I was like, wow, I've never, I never saw this. I would have never known this if I didn't have this job. But there are a lot of people who are in my generation seeing that. And then also seeing the company be like, here's our new sustainable hair care line. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not just like skepticism. It's physically seeing the yeah. manifestation of, the, the greenwashing that is going on and questioning the authenticity, which is why I feel, for me at least, it's easier to support a smaller brand yeah. that is on, its, on the up and up and work with a smaller brand that I really see as something that is scalable than to go straight to a larger brand. Unless, unless my goal if I'm working with larger brands is to also be simultaneously working with them on the other side to make sure that they're actually doing something about 
the waste that they're creating instead of just creating a sustainable line. Yeah. So how can we get Gen, Gen Z to, to put more pressure on those big brands to actually stop paying lip service to sustainability? You know, so fashion is a great example where they're jumping on the secondhand market and the upcycling and the vintage and all of those things. But at the same time, they're showing absolutely no slowing down of the production of their thousand lines a day, it would seem, in, in brand new product. And, and, you know, your voice is so powerful and your, your ability to reach people through social media is, is probably the most powerful of all the generations. So, you know, you guys are well-placed because the big brands care about money. They are the capitalist system, you know. So how, how do you think that Gen Z could truly put pressure on those big brands to actually start doing the right thing? I think it's all about affecting the bottom line. Um, you know, if they aren't going to speak my language, which is English, I'll speak their language, which is the dollar dollar bills, you know. So <laughs> I'm going to not shop at their companies and divert my capital elsewhere. So I, I in 2020, we had the uh, Black Lives Matter movement where people were in the streets and you know, fighting against what happened to George Floyd and brands responded to that. But personally, I don't know if we'll see that sort of activation from the masses at this point, which is like, this is a super pivotal point, but I don't know if we will have something that really sparks that, even though we're seeing all of these headlines. So I think that getting Gen Z to act on less of a scale, but still something that's impactful is driving them towards other brands because we have to impact the larger brands bottom line because I, we're not, I don't think we'll see the same like spark towards climate change that we saw towards that social movement, even though the social movement is really important. It definitely goes on the back burner in people's minds and marketing. I think through marketing, I know through marketing campaigns, we can bring it to the front and drive capital away from the larger brands, which will impact their bottom line. And people will be using their voices at that point if they're using their money to protest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that will really, you know, we'll be able to communicate that to brands. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there is an, there is across every generation and an attention action gap in terms of nobody wants to be, no one's going to stand up or very few people are going to stand up and say, I don't care about the planet and I don't care about what's happening to other people. Um, but then when it comes to actually, you know, being able to afford to, to buy something, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, then that decision diminishes, doesn't it? And gets smaller and your choice of what you can afford gets smaller. And we know that a lot of, of Gen Z are, are living paycheck to paycheck because of the nature of the fact that you're young um, and you're just going into work. So I think it's a really interesting one because you say they get they get a dopamine hit from from shopping, but uh, then also they spend a lot of time on social media. Social media is around is around you know short form content where your attention span is low, the noise is high. You know, there's a lot of factors going on. So, how do you think we can really use social media to educate? Uh, your generation on on the real big issues around sustainability because it's big and it's complex and it takes more time than than a 30 second TikTok video to really, really, you know, teach somebody about what's going on. How do you think we yeah. can up the knowledge more and more and more 
so that that they can really, really drive that movement towards a more sustainable future. So I totally agree. We have the word, we have the attention span of a goldfish around three seconds is our attention span at this point. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about getting them at the beginning of the video. I think the best way to combat that is through short form video content, doing a series. I've talked to a lot of brands who are like, we only put money towards long form video content, YouTube. And I'm like, that's not really where you're going to get us because we just, our brains don't function like that anymore. When I was in fifth grade, YouTube was all the rage. Everyone was watching YouTube, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. now I'm a senior in college and our attention spans just have been fried by <laughs> big tech. So creating series where, you know, you're breaking it down and we get the action of scrolling, get that dopamine from scrolling and seeing a new video and seeing a new, here's what's going to happen, like intro to the video and then going into, you know, 10, 15 seconds about the content or having it be really catchy to a trending audio sound. Something that's really important that I don't see from brands a lot is, and this is what we're trying to help brands do more, is um, creating content that comes off as native to the platform. It's very different from the past how a brand would do a huge photo shoot, spend a lot of money and use those shots for a really long time in their marketing. Today, it's all about authenticity and trends last, there's like a 24 hour TikTok audio trend cycle where you have to hop on it, the post, and it has to come off as super authentic to the platform. So a lot of brands are thinking a lot about their brand image. And, you know, if it's costs, if the product costs more, they're like, oh, we want to have our content come off as super high end. But a lot of the times that's not going to get picked up in the algorithm. You have to create stuff that is authentic. And a lot of people on social media are just posting really casually. It's definitely a new era of social media. So I think that brands need to be more authentic in their content and and you see content as not just a marketing tool, but a way to connect with the audience because it's about connection and bridging that gap yeah. of like values and action. Yeah. And that won't be done through like a high quality video. That's like, wow, my product's the best. And yeah. um, education is also easier that way. I found I've made like really ridiculous videos where I'm like flailing my body, but on the screen there's education and those videos have gotten 100,000 views. Yeah. So I know that this works. It's very different, isn't it? Like you say, it's got to be native. It's got to be aligned. You don't want to disrupt the experience of the, you know, the social media experience of what is expected on that platform with something corporate and, and, how, and polished up, which, you know, just doesn't fit. So, and that, I suppose, brings in the role of influencers, people working with either agencies like yours or working with those content creators that really get the platforms. And I suppose, what, what does, do you get involved with the role of influencers or getting content creators that really understand the platforms? And of course, also, if they are Gen Z, Gen Z, you know, in that space, conscious, concerned about the climate, you know, how is, how is that movement shifting that, that not just content creators that really know the platform, but content creators that know the platform, but actually care about the message, the product, the consumption levels, you know, all of that aspect. So there are a lot of content creators who don't talk about the environment at all. Um, 
work with fast insert industry brand here, but then talk about climate change, very small amounts in their videos. So we'll drop something about how the planet is burning, but I just got my nails done. Like something like that, where it's super casual, it's not super serious, but it's making the, it kind of brings the viewer to be like, oh, maybe I should think about that. Mm. So at the New York, we work with content creators who are passionate about climate change, might not be passionate about climate change on the screen, but when I talk to them, they tell me about what they're doing in their everyday lives. Yeah. So the authenticity when they're talking about the products and emissions of the companies shines through. And they, since they have a community of viewers who loves their content and is super loyal to them, it drives conversions, but it's reaching a new demographic of viewers because these aren't people who would normally, you know, follow all the certain, like, typical sustainability influencers and mm. watch all the education and that's what their whole feed is they they go on tiktok for entertainment and sometimes if there's a really cool product that is being communicated well by the influencer they love is going to buy that product so yeah. and that's almost more authentic isn't it because this you know we talk about how do you engage people around the climate narrative how do you engage people in a way that you know because there are so many things that people can do, but it's also very overwhelming. You know, we're looking at the press, we're looking at the news, the, the conversation. It's kind of like, oh, my goodness, what, what can I do? And I suppose by normalizing it and not making it all about, oh, I'm a sustainability expert, but actually I'm just a regular person. But I, I am concerned. And here's what I've done. Or these are the different choices I've made. And then just building that organically and naturally into the content that they're doing makes it more relatable. Yeah. And also, I've found that people who watch sustainability influencers end up being bombarded by advertisements a lot just because sustainable brands tend to and brands that aren't sustainable but are launching sustainable lines only work with a few subsets of influencers, which really leaves out a bunch of consumers that would otherwise be interested in their product. So my goal with starting the agency was to make the sustainability community more inclusive and encompassing so that more people felt like they had a place here because in the end climate change is not just an environmentalist issue it's everyone issue so everyone needs to know about these companies these initiatives and feel welcome in the space so that is what I feel like working with these influencers that we work with and I've talked to really uh, helps to accomplish that. I guess my last question to you before we move on to our quick fire round is as a Gen Z yourself, what would be three things you would want to see from brands? What are your three big asks? To brands that are typically unsustainable, my ask to them is to please think about like young people, children that aren't born yet, and everyone in the whole world when you're talk when you're launching a new sustainable brand to actually be genuine in the way that you deploy your marketing, the product, and on the back end, uh, tweak your production. Because I I don't think it's fair to people that are alive and are going to be alive for you to just see this as an economic opportunity. Because without the planet and people, you wouldn't have a business. Mm. So please consider us when you're making those decisions and see us as more than a vehicle to profit. 
because we are living, breathing things, and so are you. And you, at the end of the day, you need oxygen, you need land, and you need food. So just think about that, please. And then my big ask to sustainable brands is to see Gen Z as more of a viable market. I have worked with a lot and definitely think that, you know, a lot of brands see older millennials as the cutoff. And I know that's not true being a Gen Z, seeing how my friends and acquaintances are super passionate about it and are going into careers that are sustainable and getting business degrees in sustainable business. Um, we are willing to support you. There, We just need to know that your companies exist and feel like we're welcomed in your community. And then my last big ask is, I don't know, I just kind of have the two. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Well, it has been uh, it has been great speaking to someone from Gen Z. I have a, a nine-year-old daughter who uh, who is incredibly conscious about sustainability, but also has a consumption problem. She likes that dopamine hit from buying things. But Estella, we like to ask our guests the same quickfire questions to wrap up every episode. So our first question to you, and I think I know your answer, is can marketing save the planet? Yes, I truly believe marketing can save the planet. Uh, since we know marketing got us here, marketing is the reason why we consume. In my my opinion, marketing is the reason we consume so much. So I truly believe it's the only thing that will get us out. We need to, you know, we're innovating, lots of amazing solutions. It's all about deployment and marketing is a huge aspect of that, which I think sometimes is a lot of the times is forgotten by the founders and teams of these innovative brands. But I think that marketing, I truly believe marketing will get us out of, not out of the issue because I don't know if we can fully reverse it, but we'll hopefully slow climate change. And certainly change the narrative, change the behaviors so that we all become more conscious and considered about what we're buying, when we're buying it, how we're buying it, whether or not we need to buy it. You know, if we can start to think about that and build that into the narrative, that that can be powerful, like you say, you know, because we've driven a different narrative. Now we need to to change to change that to to drive a different different one. So our second question to you, Estella, is what do you hope business looks like in 10 years time? Um, In 10 years, I really hope that. OK. In 10 years, I really hope that our that companies' climate commitments are being met and surpassed and more aggressive goals are being put out there and that we actually look at the science and see that we're actually having an amazing impact on the planet. And because by then it will be past 2030, Mm. which I'm very scared for that (laughs) uh, time point and the headlines that will be going around the world in you know, seven years time. But I really hope that after those headlines come out, whatever they may be, that companies are serious and and people are serious and yeah. realize that we don't have time. We don't even have time now, but at that point that action is is real and is everyone's, you know, fired up by what we have to do. Yeah. 
Couldn't agree more. And if you were to give one piece of advice around uh, getting started with sustainable marketing or advertising, what would it be? I My one piece of advice would be that if you're gifted in marketing, I really would urge you to join a climate company. Even if you're not an environmentalist, you, you know, climate change is real. Even if you are gifted in marketing, you don't even believe in climate change, join a climate company because you can use your gift to help a problem and do good in the world and find meaning in your job. Even if you don't believe in it, you could be doing something amazing and so awesome for not only humans, but every single living, breathing thing on planet Earth. So my one piece of advice is just to try to find a climate company and use your creative spirit for good. Yeah, because there's probably a whole lot of marketers out there that are just marketing stuff and they may not care about it anyway. So, you know, at least when it comes to the climate and and saving our planet and saving humanity, let's face it, that's that's kind of personal, isn't it? So yeah. if you can move the dial there, that that it feels so much more worthwhile and meaningful. So yeah, perfect. Great. Well, it's been really wonderful chatting to you. Um, how can people find out more about the work that you're doing over at Vivine? Yeah, so my Instagram is my name at Estella Struck and Vivine New York. Our Instagram is at Vivine New York. And I'm very consistent on my personal pages and my company Instagram. And yeah, follow us there. Don't be afraid to reach out to DM me and speak more about the work that we do. Fantastic. We'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so everybody can get in touch with you. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast. This was a great conversation, guys. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. 